I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope your week is treating you well. I just got out of therapy, and I just, mm, I love therapy. I went in feeling like there is no way that we're going to be able to organize my thoughts or my problems or my feelings, and then we did. We just, we talked it out. She made it made sense and um, sent me on the way with more compassion for myself and others, and man, that's good stuff. I I never want to take that for granted, honestly. So, so good. And now I get to sit down and talk with you about some Enneagram stereotypes. I know our head types are our last group here. We've done a series on this. So we did the body types first, the heart types last week, and then this week we are finishing us off with the head types. So thank you head types for being lovely and patient as we got through this. It allowed me to really give each type more time and attention. So if you haven't listened to the other two, the way that this is going to work is we just talk about two of the common stereotypes for each type And then we're going to talk about what's actually happening under the surface and why people think the stereotype and then what we should, you know, what you should know if you're in relationship to that type. And then how do we move this around if we are that Enneagram type? So buckle up, friends. Let's get into it. (laughs) Um, I'll never say that again. Okay. I promise. All right. Now type five is where we're going to start today. The stereotypes I have here for type five are that type fives are emotionless or antisocial. These are the things I see the most that kind of rub me the wrong way. So I want to say first, let's talk about emotionless. So type fives, you know you're not emotionless, right? You feel your feelings. They're there. Uh, You're just picky about who you share those emotions with. And then you also kind of downplay your needs. And I think this is something that we miss about five a lot is actually fives have a little bit of that inner two, uh, that connection to two, where they feel as though they're not supposed to ask for help. And So a lot of the things we recognize about fives, right, sometimes they can have, I want to say hoarding tendencies, but kind of, not like hoarders, hoarders necessarily, but just like, you know, kind of a little bit of a fear to get rid of stuff. Um, They kind of hold on to things. They might hide snacks. Um, This often comes from the belief that they cannot ask for help. So they're just going to minimize what they need and not over give so that, you know, not not like pour out so much that they have to eventually ask for help. They're trying to just do what they need to do without needing the support of others. So um, that can look like and being emotionless because you the sensation of I don't want anyone to take from me. So I'm going to have my emotional experiences in private so that no one can come in and try to infiltrate my boundaries. But additionally, your emotions can be privatized because, well, that would make you seem vulnerable, which would make you therefore in need, and you have to not be in need, right? So let's just, if I 
downplay my needs, I can also downplay my emotions so that no needs arise. Now, um, people see this as emotionless, obviously, because they can't see your emotions. So they're interacting with you 99.9% of the time from an intellectual level where you are pointing out how you think about what you feel, potentially. You know, you're like, I talk about my feelings. I told them I think my feelings mean this. Or um, maybe you logic your way out of your feelings and you have a conversation about the logic of those feelings or those intense emotions, but you aren't likely to kind of let the mask drop on the vulnerable aspects of being an emotional person, meaning like the times where you're out of control or maybe you feel a little frazzled um, or like your emotions are overwhelming for you, you're less inclined to invite someone into that experience. So if you're thinking, you know, it's kind of like on social media, if you only ever share the highlights, people will think you live a perfect life. And I've been in relationships before where people thought like, oh, they have a perfect relationship. And then, you know, we get divorced. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, we, we we had a fine relationship. What you saw was perfect, right? Um, and I think we've all experienced something like that in our lives where it's like, it feels not appropriate necessarily to share the negatives of something. But at the same time, you don't want to send a false message. So there's this kind of dichotomy there. So fives, it's kind of like you're living in your, not even your highlight reel, but just your stable reel. (laughs) People are like, oh, they just seem very like stable. Like they're not dealing with a lot of emotion. They don't have a lot of needs. They're very logical. And then in reality, you get into it and it's like, actually, maybe the five's going through a lot and no one knows because they're doing it alone. Um, So yeah, if you don't want the people in your life to think you are emotionless, it may behoove you to share some of your feelings and not your thoughts about your feelings, but like be in your feelings with them. One step at a time though, right? I know it's easier said than done and that sometimes it is a lot easier to talk about how you think about what you feel than it is to feel something in front of someone else. But, you know, find someone who's safe so that you get to be known in your wholeness. The next one here is you aren't antisocial, right? We know this. It's just that you typically recharge alone and also typically keep things compartmentalized and maybe get carried away with your projects, the things that you like to work on. So fives typically enjoy the space of like going off and working on a project alone. That's like a happy space for them. And so that's very exciting and tempting and hard to navigate with other people, right? Like, oh, I have this thing I want to just kind of hyper-focus on. Um, that's not the most social activity typically. That being said, the other thing, right, they keep things compartmentalized. So yeah, you're not being antisocial. You just kind of have multiple groups of people that you're spending time with on a regular basis and you don't want to mix and mingle them. And so you, there's only so much of you to go around. And so if you're not giving 100% of your time to one group of friends, it can feel as though you're not giving anyone time if, you know, that you're just like on your own, but maybe you actually know you're being really social. It's just 
you're keeping these people separated so they don't realize how much you're actually out and about. And additionally, I will say um, you recharge alone. So that's just a fact, right? Fives, one of the main elements of five is that you wake up at the day with a sense of like, this is how much energy I have today. Every interaction I have is going to deplete that energy. And so you're moderating how much you give and how much you hold back so that you don't exhaust yourself or you don't get over-sacrifice. And so that can seem antisocial if you're like at an event and you're like, you know what, my cup, totally empty. I've got to, I've got to go. Um, to someone who is very relationally oriented, right? I mean, you know, a lot of fives are married to twos. This can seem antisocial, right? Like, oh, you don't want to socialize. And the truth is like, maybe they don't want to socialize, but it's not from a place of not enjoying socialization. It's from a place of like recognizing and honoring their limits. And so, yeah. So getting into why do people think this, we think this because we all have different fixations. Some of us have the fixation of like independence, of alone time, of be having, you know, doing our own thing. Others have a fixation on being being connected to other people, relationships. And with that being said, so a really relationally oriented type is going to see kind of your desire to pull away, your withdrawal, your um, preference for being alone, your need to recharge alone, kind of moderating your energy levels. All of that in the compartmentalization can seem like you're antisocial. But a lot of the fives that I actually know in real life are incredibly social people. They have wide networks of friends. They're very likable, very easy to be around because there's not a lot of strings attached. You know, it's like a very easy relationship, but they just prioritize their own energy and they're not afraid to set boundaries. And so to a very relational type that can appear like, oh, well, you're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. You're not playing your social role. But to the five, it's like, this actually makes the most logical sense. This is this is what I need to do. So I like to touch on that. Like, this is what we're doing that kind of makes it look like this. But here's what's actually happening beneath the surface. Now, if you are in relationship to a five, things you need to know. Um, don't take it personally when they go off on their own. That is not about you. They would do that with anyone in any relationship. Two, you know, if you need reassurance or you need to ask like, hey, can you give me a sense of how long you're going to be away or like what your plan is? Don't hesitate to do that. Check in, ask what you need to feel communicated with because sometimes our fives might not communicate and that can seem you know, you're going to write your own story about why they're going off on their own and it might not be accurate. Also, if you're in a relationship to a five, um, hold unattached space for them to have their feelings. If they get a sense that you are so excited to hear (laughs) their negative emotions or even just like their intense giddiness or their intense negativity, they may retreat. Okay. And it's on you, boo, to like hold back because this is deep for them. This is deeply ingrained. So if you're able to just kind of hold unattached space for them to have their emotional experience, you're more likely to create an environment where that experience can happen. Non-judgmental, unattached, 
to their like emotional expression space and then let them lead the depth, push them a little bit, but like ultimately don't, don't insert yourself into their boundaries, kind of offer an invitation for them to open their boundaries up a little bit. And then for our type fives, if you want to shift um, kind of how this is experienced by other people, uh, you know, if you don't want people to see you as emotionless, if you don't want people to see you as antisocial, um, you can shift this by doing a couple of things. Number one, letting people support you because you deserve support. Um, every We need community. We all do. And it's hard. I understand. And it's worth it. Also, yeah, finding one, two people who you really trust and share your emotions with them. Open up in that way. Uh, three, communicate. You don't have to like not take care of yourself, but just let people know, you know, if you are at a party and you need to go, don't Irish exit. Just kind of say, Hey, you know, I'm wiped. It's time for me to head out, but it's been nice. (laughs) It's been nice seeing you. Um, looking forward to seeing you next time. Another way to, you know, keep your connection to people while also keeping your connection to your t- your alone time and yourself is to just reach out occasionally via text and just let people know you're thinking about them. That sounds like to a two listening to this, they're like, duh. But for me, this is a, a learned skill, okay? I just typically don't think about people when they're not around. It's nothing personal. I just am in whatever it is I'm in at the moment. And so if this is you, my fives, then you know, set an alarm on your phone, (laughs) like a little calendar notification somewhere on your calendar and just make a point, pick three, five, three to five people who you really want to stay connected to and just shoot them a little message for no reason. Just say, Hey, thinking about you. Hope you're doing well. And that will keep you in regular connection to people without you having to be deeply emotionally committed to that connection. Again, I want to iterate that uh, fives are not emotionless. So it's not that fives aren't having emotional deep connections. It's just that they might have fewer of them. They may be less urgent in nature than a lot of more relational types. So all of this is on a spectrum and we can't really compare the relationalism of a four of a two to a five, right? It's a completely different experience. So when I say have more emotional connective conversations, the fives might be like, I have those. And, but a two might be like, that looks totally different to me. And according to my standard, right? You're not. And so I would just say check in on how connected do you feel to the people in your life who matter to you? When's the last time you felt emotionally supported? And how can you make a few shifts here and there to open up more space for that? All right, let's get into type six. The stereotypes I picked for type six were paranoid or with anxiety or just negative. I think that's a common one. So For the stereotype of paranoid, I say you're not paranoid, but sometimes you just want to be prepared and to think things through. I think the internal experience often of our six is not like, oh, just constant squirrel brain paranoia. It's more like it feels really practical and grounded to have a plan here and to think this through and to make a system. I don't understand why everyone else isn't concerned about this because this is a concern. 
and then you aren't negative, you're trying to guarantee a positive. And I think that this came from a six uh, who I had on the podcast a while back, and she she expressed this, and I was like, brilliant. That changes so much of my understanding because it is like it's it's the fixation on what could go wrong isn't a fixation on the negative intentionally. It's a fixation on guaranteeing that everything goes right, you know? And so for sixes who kind of are like being called pessimists or being called negative, it can feel really frustrating because it's like, I'm not a pessimist. (laughs) You know, I know there are some sixes who are like, I'm totally a pessimist and I am paranoid. I've met you and I love you. But I, you know, for the ones who are like, no, I'm not experiencing that in that way, I think it feels much more like being prepared and trying to guarantee that everything works out great. That being said, when someone says, here's my idea, and you greet them with, well, here are all the ways in which I think that's not going to work, it feels pessimistic. You know, it feels a little negative. Or if you say, someone's like, let's stay at this Airbnb and you say, listen, Airbnbs have cameras everywhere. I can't stay in an Airbnb because they're disgusting and there's cameras. Um, I That can feel paranoid, you know, or sometimes sixes will get latched onto certain ideologies and then those ideologies kind of can feed into lots of other areas of their life. And then it can start to feel like, well, what this ideology says must be true. And my critical thinking should be questioned. And in that sense, right, the the paranoia can often stem from that place where maybe you are in a certain organization that tells you to be paranoid about certain things and you're not intended to question the organization. So you you keep your questions to yourself, even though the questions are very much there. Now, that one is very, very, very much based off of subtype. Every subtype of six is going to react differently to that. But that is an option of something that could occur. So this is why people think this, but if you are in relationship to a type six, here's what you need to know. You need to know that they are just trying to think things through. And so you can put your six in the right position of support instead of putting them, kind of wanting them to support you in the ways that don't feel like support to you. Meaning, Don't come to them when you have a brand new fresh idea that you don't want critiqued. Go to a seven for that. They're going to, or a three, you know, go to them and have them say, wow, this is going to be great, (laughs) you know, or a nine might do that for you or two, but don't go to the six for that. Sixes have a different role in the world. Sixes you go to when you need someone to make your idea better. When you're like, okay, here's my idea. I fully believe in it. I know it's going to work break it and then I'll put it back together. That is their ass. That's like an amazing skill set that we need when we're trying to do amazing things. You need someone to think critically about what you're doing. Additionally, here are their anxieties, their fears of things going wrong as an attempt to guarantee a positive experience for everybody. And it will help you to understand where they're coming from with much more compassion. So if you're like, 
I want to go to the beach tomorrow. And they're like, well, have you thought of this, 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 and this? See that filter as the space of you want us all to have a great time. You don't want anyone to go home sunburnt. You don't want anyone to go thirsty. You want to make sure everyone has what they need and everyone is okay and we have fun. And if I can just sit with you and talk you through these experiences, you're going to be the life of the party. We're going to have a great time. It's just if I downplay those emotions, downplay those fears, then you're going to feel like you need to amp them up even further to prove that they were valid to feel in the first place. So if I can just honor them, see them for what they are, and then validate that experience, we can move through this much quicker than if you try to make them feel different than they feel. That's not going to work. And then if you are a six and you want to shift some of this, if you, if you want to, if I'm on your PR team and you're like, I don't want to be seen this way, here is what you can do (laughs) to kind of start to shift some of this stuff. So when someone tells you a brand new idea, hold some of those questions to yourself. Just kind of say, oh, amazing. It's not your responsibility to make sure it works out. Just let them have their experience with it. Don't immediately greet them with the negative. Ask them what they're excited about. Ask them what they're looking forward to. Ask them what made them think of the idea. Hold back your criticisms or your kind of fear of it not working out for them until they ask for that. Um, The second thing is, you know, there's no certainty in the world and there's only ever internal clarity. And so when you find yourself seeking some sort of guarantee, some sort of certainty for something, I just encourage you instead to go, what is my inner voice telling me right now? Because I'm not going to be able to find certainty, but I can get clear about whether it's worth the risk because everything in life is a risk. So you need to just know if you are in board on board for that particular risk, um, if you're willing to do it, even if it doesn't go well, that is how we work through that sense of, I want to guarantee a positive outcome. Instead, we say, "Will I do? would I still want to do this even if it wasn't a perfect outcome? And then take that action, take that risk. All right, type seven, our stereotypes here are that sevens love to party and that sevens are always so happy. And so for seven, you are not a party animal, right? You just struggle to be alone and you feel guilty not liking things or making the most of a situation. Um, what I, you know, I think this is the one I see the most in memes that kind of grates me because I will say like for, for a season of my life, I was at every party. Um, I was at four or five parties in a night. I've never been much of like a drinker or like a substance user. It's just not my vibe, but I definitely love to dance. I love to be in the energy. I love to not be at home alone on a Friday night where I used to now I thrills me. But for years, right, I would, if there were four New Year's Eve parties, I would go to every single one and I would feel like I had to leave early and I had to arrive late because I needed to be everywhere all at once. That's not a love of a party. Like that is a fear of missing out on fun. That is a desire to not be at home alone when other people are out doing exciting things. And it is, is also like now as I'm an adult, you know, if you put me in a party plate, 
party situation, I'm going to have a good time because I'm not allowed to have a bad time. (laughs) Like that is not an emotion I'm comfortable with, or that is an emotion that I am currently working on being comfortable with more accurate. Um, And so I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to rally and I'm going to try my best to have an amazing time, even if I don't, I'm not that big of a party person. And I think a lot of times sevens as well are like, well, can I be an introvert and be a seven? And I don't have an answer for you on that. I don't know how introvert extrovert fits into this. I absolutely see patterns. I'd be hard pressed to say like, oh, you could be an introverted seven. I think, but I, I can't claim that fully, right? So if you're like me and your hobbies right now at this stage of your life are making really good coffee, reading really good books, writing in your journal, and going to coffee shops, like that doesn't look a lot like the seven of stereotypes. I started to say stereotypes past, <laughs> but you know, like it doesn't look like a party animal. And so you can feel like, am I even a seven if I don't love to party? But more so, it's like you struggle to be alone, you feel guilty not liking things or making the most of a situation. Moving on, you aren't always happy. You put your happy face on to not be a bummer to others because you feel guilty bringing other people down. And this is probably the biggest wake-up call for me. One of the bigger wake-up calls for me in my journey of sevenness was just how lonely it was for me for so many years dealing with all of my emotions in private. And it's different than the five energy, I feel, um, because sevens, we feel our emotions big. Like we have big emotional experiences. We're dramatic. Um, It's just like the negative ones get saved for a few people who we feel safe around or no one if you don't feel safe around anyone yet. Um, For me, what I would do is I would go to those four parties in a night and cry in my car between the two and then wipe my face, put a smile on and go back into the party and be the life of the party. And then no one would know anything was going on for me. And it took me years of trying to sit with emotion, getting comfortable with community, letting people show up for me, making friends who are like, no, we like you when you show up as you are. It's like not a problem if you're a bummer and trusting that they mean that, believing them when they say that, you know, but realistically we, you're not, you're not always happy, but let's get into why people think this, right? So Why do people think that we're party animals? It's because when we're at the party, we're having the time of our lives, apparently, and we are often the last to leave if there's one party or we're going to four parties in a night and people are like, whoa, you're going to all the parties. And that's because on our average levels, if someone's like, here's a way to chance to distract yourself from pain you're going to take it. Now, as I've gotten older, obviously, I rarely go to a party, but if I do go to one, I'm going to have a good time, right? And so the people at that party are going to be like, oh, wow, this person loves a party. See why everybody thinks this? Then, though you aren't always happy, but you put on a happy face for others, so they're only engaging with you when you're happy, 
So they think you're always happy. So it's like it's like we have these secret versions of ourselves that are much more deep and much more complex that we hide beneath this mask or this protective mechanism that's a little bit more one-dimensional. Um, you know, sevens, that one dimension is like, I am happy. I'm here. I'm going to show up. I'm fully present. I'm so excited to be here. Um, let me tell you about this awesome thing that happened to me once. And if that's the only way that people are interacting with you, that's the only version of you that they know. Even if underneath the surface, you're like, I'm grieving my father. I'm going through, I'm in postpartum depression. I'm struggling to really feel like, I'm going to be okay and I don't know how to ask for help. They're not seeing that. So they're only seeing, wow, this person's really fun at parties and never seems to have a bad day. Now, if you love a seven, what do you need to know? You know, I think the best thing that anyone ever did for me in friendship was to reassure me over and over and over again. I love when you show up just as you are. I love it when you show up and you're sad and you're having a bad day and you just show up in your pajamas and you just feel your feelings with me. That is not a problem for me. Um, I have a lot of fours in my life for I think this reason because they hold that space so well and they make it feel so natural to just have the full range of the human experience. And yeah, if you are in the life of a seven and you can kind of tap into the part of you that's a four and is comfortable with the full range of emotion, amazing. Um, the other thing is, and additionally, like sevens are another one of those types where we feel we're really afraid of strings being attached to us, right? Like we're free birds. We don't want to be controlled. We don't want to be limited. We want to be, you know, kind of like solo travelers to the universe. And so if that support comes with perceived strings, like, well, I'm going to hold the space for you, but then I'm going to want you to hold that space for me. Or if it comes with like, again, like similar to five, that eagerness for more and more and more deeper, deeper, deeper connection, that can really make a seven a little skittish because it can feel like you're trying to take from them or like this is no longer about my feelings. This is about like you trying to get something from me, which can feel really off-putting and and, and um, scary to a seven. So if you are in, you love a seven and you want to be able to support them, try to be able to hold space in a light way. One of the greatest things my therapist does for me is she makes me sit in my feelings, right? She, she calls me to sit in my feelings. I love when Enneagram teachers do this, like on a panel, they'll, they'll be like, well, how does that feel? Okay. What is that like in your body? That I think is amazing. I don't need my friends to be my therapist 90% of the time. Sometimes I have a friend that I feel comfortable with that and you know who you are. You know what I mean? Those friends know who they are, but there's like two of them (laughs) and everyone else. It's like, I'm going to talk to you about my trauma in a really light way. And if you can roll with that, I'm more inclined to connect with you because you're not um, pulling me pulling me down into deeper, deeper feelings, right? Because again, it's not our job to be our friend's therapist. It's our job to be our friend's friend. Um, now, I'm not saying that you don't ever invite your seven to talk about their hard feelings, but just gu- let them guide you, take their lead on how 
emotive they're willing to be, you know, no strings attached and make sure you're focusing on how can I support you, not how can I make sure that you feel close to me, which I think is something that can happen. Um, the other thing, you know, you're not always happy (laughs) or like the other thing I want you to know about sevens is, you know, check in about if they're up for a party, don't just assume that they're going to be the life of the party. Make sure that they're, you're, you're not assuming how they're going to show up or that they're going to show up happy. Ask them and check in with them, you know, check in with them when they're not communicating with you and just be like, Hey, how have you been lately? Can you tell me, you know, highs and lows? Because that's going to be more of an invitation to share than like, are you doing okay? Is everything okay? That can be a little intense, but if you're like, Hey, what are the highs and lows? That's a little more like intellectual and objective and it will invite them in to, to actually talk to you. But let's get into our sevens. Like, how are we going to shift this? Because I'm telling our friends to kind of play into our sevenness, but I'm going to tell you to play out of your sevenness a little bit. So, um, get comfy being home alone. Even when you hate it, just just practice kind of build a tolerance for it um build a tolerance for sitting in your feelings your feelings are always temporary they will never last forever in a given day you're probably going to have multiple feelings all at once so let them come let them go the more you resist them the longer they last and if you can get comfortable sitting in your feelings or even just kind of naming where those feelings are in your body, you're less inclined to focus on a distraction to make you stop feeling those feelings because that's often what this like party thing is. But also like if you love to have a good time, you love to have a good time. But check in on why am I here? Am I here because I'm running away from what is at home or am I here because this sounded really good to me, not like an escape? That's where it becomes a little ungrounded, right? Additionally, um, if you find yourself kind of going to have a private feeling, I just want to challenge you to reach out to somebody. Easier said than done, I know, but give yourself a chance to be supported and the way you can do this without feeling like a bummer is you can just make a specific ask, right? So let's say you're going through a really hard time. Maybe you're in a situation that really sucks and you can't change it so you feel trapped in it. You can send a quick little note to someone and just say like, hey, can you send me just like your favorite quote, your favorite uplifting quote? Can you send me just like three or four words of encouragement? I just need to hear some reassurance that like feelings don't last forever. You can make a specific ask and then it's kind of cut and dry, clean and clear, right? You're not saying like, can you just support me open-ended because that can be a little intimidating, but you can just say, hey, can you support me in this really specific way? That would mean a lot. So I hope that this was helpful, friends. Let me know if you want to do this again. Um, I have a series coming up in July on stereotypes and on Instagram. So we're going to have this conversation over there as well. But thank you guys so much for joining me. As always, it's an absolute pleasure to create this content for you. And I will see you Friday for the next one. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.